This is the Permaculture Podcast. I'm Scott Mann. In this episode, my guests are Meg Tubin, the co-founder and director of the Eco Institute at Pickards Mountain, and Jimmy Eisenstein, one of the facilitators for the Rising Earth Immersion course. They join me to discuss this 10-week on-site intensive offered at the Eco Institute, located near Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Together they share not only the course contents, including three core pillars of the program, Earth Connection, People Connection, and Interconnection, but also the impact that having such an immersion holds for our ability to embody what we learn, to put permaculture into practice through an outlined program with further group direction from participants. The course also offers a container to experience community with others seeking a similar opportunity so that students can take the lessons learned about how to live together back out into the world as they seek their own path and right livelihood. Enjoy this conversation with Meg and Jimmy, and I'll join you again after. Well, Meg and Jimmy, thank you for joining me today to talk about the Rising Earth Immersion Program at the Eco Institute. Before we get started, though, could each of you give us a bit of your biography and background, how you came to this work, getting this class started, and we can take the conversation from there. So I'm Meg Tobin, and um, 14 years ago or so, I co-founded an organization called the Eco Institute at Pickards Mountain, where we were coming together in real concern about how the relationship is currently between humanity and the rest of the Earth community. And our question was, what can we do? You know, what can we do from here with what we have, with what we know, and together? Because the statistics and the data that I learned in my biology undergrad study about species extinction and habitat loss, ecosystem degradation, air and water toxification left me with a sense of despair and overwhelm and even paralysis. And so uh, we began gathering really about 17 years ago as a community and 14 years ago really established an, an educational center. And not long after that, we discovered that young adults were drawn to this place and to these questions. And so we had lots of young adults coming and going and living and working on the learning farm here and asking big questions and gathering in circles to discuss the current events and and organize activism projects. And, and out of that grew a young adult program, a semester-long program, which was called the Odyssey Fellowship. And that program just recently had kind of a reimagining upgrade and this fall will be the first offering of the Rising Earth Immersion. The program is kind of what I wish I had had as a young adult. I really wanted to get out of the, the science lab and into the soil and into the community and be collaborating and responding in ways that were holistic with my whole self, not just with my mind. And I feel pretty proud of what has co-evolved with an amazing team of people, including Jimmy, for the last few years. And I really love that there are not just mind and, and intellectual components, but also real heart and hands and body and soul involvement. And then, Jimmy, what brought you to the Eco Institute and to help lead this course? Yeah, well, um, it started, I guess, first from when I was participating in the program, when it was called the Odyssey Fellowship Program. I had been looking for. I'd been looking to satisfy my thirst for knowledge in some way, but the 
conventional institutions of education never really appealed to me. It seemed kind of weird that given the magnitude of ecological crisis our planet is facing, people are going to school, going into debt, and coming out with no skills in regenerating the earth. And so, like, you know, I really didn't want to do that. And yet I wanted to feel like I was a part of some sort of learning structure with other people my age. So this was kind of the perfect thing. We were a cohort of, I think we were 11 people. We tend to go for 12, but um, it was really good. And after the 10-week program, I felt like I wanted more. And so we had some conversations and I ended up facilitating the next iteration of the program with some other people who had also who were also alumni of the program. And so that was the start of it. And yeah, I I just also want to echo what what Megan said in that it's a very it's an experience you don't really see often these days because there is more than just an intellectual component. Like you leave not only with conceptual knowledge about about how to develop a relationship with the earth and how to, you know, do natural agriculture, fermentation, earth healing in various dimensions, but also you you have a visceral feeling of having been in community and having connected to the earth firsthand. And so, you know, this program is kind of a container that holds an experience like that. And, you know, for me at least it um it kind of showed me a way of life that is possible that I hadn't before known was possible. And what both of you reflect on are parts of why I wanted to have this conversation because of those kind of two competing elements of having not only quality experiences that give us hands-on depth, but also alternatives to formal education, especially as many of the ecologically oriented schools in the country, such as Green Mountain College, are closing their doors. And so many of these programs that really help to move people into the world as active participants caring for the earth are going away, while also these other really lived and embodied experiences are relatively rare. You know, we might get a week here or two weeks there, or, you know, the permaculture design course was my first exposure to that kind of education that was really deep and involved in the things that I cared about. But at the end of the day, it was two weeks worth of classes, 72 hours, a final project. And myself and many other participants, when we finish that experience, are left with so many more questions. And we're often told, you know, spend the next two, three, five years continuing to practice your skills and stay in touch with the people who you went through your class with. And then after a while, you'll be able to answer some of these other questions through your ongoing embodied experience, where I'm looking at what can we do with longer programs, like what the Eco Institute is offering, with what the Rising Earth Immersion gives people that can bridge these different gaps and help form and round out what it is that we're interested in pursuing as earth workers. And so I was wondering, could you speak some more about, you were mentioning, Jimmy, immersion and natural agriculture. What are some of the topics and subjects that people can explore through this program? So this 10-week semester-long residential immersion gives people the opportunity to actually live the principles. So it is an ongoing embodied experience that's woven within the intellectual stimulation of the class experiences. 
and there are there's time between the sort of infusions of book learning and and classroom learning to really integrate and not just to integrate an understanding and intellectual understanding but also to actually bring those into all of the different elements of life so questions arise like how do we implement the wisdom of permaculture in a shared community kitchen situation? How do we implement the wisdom of permaculture as we are approaching nonviolent conflict resolution? How do we implement the wisdom of permaculture in terms of taking care of our own bodies? So there's so much more. I mean, what I heard you say, Scott, was when you had your 72-hour PDC in your class and your project, it was like a, an infusion of ideas. And, you know, if you were like me, it was, it was such a relief that finally people were talking sense. You know, there was this ecological sanity for the first time. And yet, there can still be a disconnect from everyday life unless there is an opportunity to really live into it in an embodied way. And weaving those two together can be really powerful. So I'll pass to Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, I've found that before being in this program, permaculture felt a lot like an abstract concept. And so did even things like living in community. Like, I didn't really know what that meant, even though I could probably talk about what it was. You know, I felt like I understood it in my head, but what it, what it really means to live in community, what it really means to practice permaculture on the day-to-day, like to to fully have that understanding, I think, requires that embodied experience. And um, I just remember when I did take a permaculture design certification course, it really helped that I had the memory of of doing this program, the Odyssey Fellowship at the time it was called. And I would sort of like the knowledge I gained from the PDC, I often referenced to this experience I had had before. So like I find like the more embodied experience of living in community and having natural agriculture around you really grounds the conceptual knowledge of permaculture into something material, something experiential and embodied. Just to riff on what Jimmy was saying about kind of conceptually understanding what it meant to live in community, but having the opportunity to actually have a felt lived sense of living in community, of being in relationship with the water systems, of planting and harvesting food is really different. And, you know, there are all kinds of online permaculture courses available. And I think that those are really important for introducing folks to the concepts who, you know, maybe live disconnected from places and communities where they can be embedded in it. But folks often who are in those kinds of places where they feel like they don't have the resources nearby to to learn in their in their home places what they really want to learn, experiences that they really want to have will come to the Eco Institute and participate in these semesters. We've had folks come from all over this country, from Canada, from Puerto Rico, from Peru, from the UK, people from all over the world really who really want to be immersed in it. And that immersive experience is just a whole different beast. It is messy. It is uh, it evolves. There's a plan and then 
And then we say, actually, no, let's scratch this piece and do this other thing that we're all feeling so much more. It gets edgy. It gets real edgy, which, you know, of course, is the fertile. That's the fertile ground. That's where that's where all the fun stuff happens, you know, and and the bonds that are built, the relationships that are grown, that are cultivated and grown between people, between people and the land, between within people, the inner the inner work that happens. I just find it so rich and valuable in this format, especially to really have the time and the the opportunity to dive deep and to get in there. And it's kind of like getting on a boat together, you know, usually 12 participants and two main facilitators and then a whole community of support leadership. And then, and then an even larger circle of experts who are visiting and teaching, you know, we're all on this boat together and, and it's just an experience that you simply can't have through media. You simply can't have that kind of experience digitally. We've actually had uh, TV crews say, you know, ask if they could film it and make a reality show of it. And I, and I said, absolutely not. And I understand why you want to, because it's fascinating, you know, and it's so rich and so real what happens in these 10 weeks. It's for who's here and, and not for television. Well, in doing an immersion like that, as you speak about community, that that's long enough, the 10 weeks that you get past that point where it's easy to keep some of the social veneer in place, that idea that, you know, it's it's easy to be nice to somebody when you only see them two or three days a week, that as you spend more time with each other, you have to deal with the nitty gritty of what it is to be a human being in a certain place with all of our flaws and foibles, as well as our virtues and lovable characteristics, because we are whole people. And that it usually takes from other folks who I've talked to who work in eco-villages and elsewhere, it's usually four to six weeks before we really start to inhabit a place and become a part of it. And so you're at that point where you, as you say, you're on that boat, you're in this intense, immersive experience with each other. And through that time, not only do you get grounded in the place, but also in the people. And so you get kind of a, a trial run of what it is to live in community, as well as trying all these skills. And I think that's just a great experience. I wish I had had an opportunity that ran that long before I myself had gone into community because of all the things that the skills we had brought together that each of us knew individually, but had never really been able to put into practice quite so deeply as when three of us were living in a suburban intentional community and having to answer all the questions as we went. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's really valuable learning. And people come to it in all kinds of different ways. But yeah, I want to go back to what you just said, Scott, about what, it, what we call it the honeymoon period. You know, in the beginning, everyone is so struck by how wonderful it feels to be with their allies, to be completely welcomed and supported and to be talking about the things that are interesting to them in terms of social and ecological activism and healing. People are super excited to, you know, get their hands in the dirt and the garden and, and, you know, have their turn at taking care of the animals, the goats and the chickens. And, and then there's a point, it's usually three to four weeks or so in where it's like, oh man, some of the hard stuff that I've run into before is coming up here. Like, oh shit, my shadow followed me here. And that's when it really gets good. That's when the medicine really comes in. Because if we're willing, and most people are eventually, most people try to fight it at first, but if we're willing to really allow all the parts of ourselves to arrive and to be seen and to be welcomed 
there's huge capacity for healing. And sometimes I think that, that the outer work and the inner work are inextricable, that we actually won't be able to meet our goals in terms of world peace and planetary healing if we don't also simultaneously work within ourselves. And there's something really beautiful to showing up with all your wounds and your mess in your mess, <laughs> your beautiful mess in a group of people who are committed to supporting you through your own healing. And, uh, you know, people have said it's like years and years and years of therapy and, you know, a couple of weeks in the middle, that, that, that middle part gets just real, real rich. And then we emerge as more whole versions of ourselves, right? You know, in the beginning, we liked each other, but in the end, we really love each other. And I have to say, I've seen beautiful, lifelong friendships, relationships, even marital partnerships come out of uh, sharing this experience together. So it sounds like with this immersion, you're not only helping people find belonging within the community that's being created for these 10 weeks, but that you're also allowing people the opportunity to explore many different aspects of living a rewarding experience in connection with Earth, and from that, helping people to find meaning in the work that they're doing. I heard some of that, Jimmy, in what you were saying about going through this program and the way that it helped you to connect to different ideas and experiences in ways that you had not gone through before. And I was wondering if either of you would want to speak to that a little bit more. Surely there is an element of, like a big part of it is leaving with a new idea or feeling of one's work in the world. And sometimes it's finding meaning in, in like what you're doing and where you are, like wherever you go after the program. Other times it's realizing that one's life path needs to totally change. You know, that can, that can be its own really deep process. And yeah, I find that um, one thing that a lot of people who are drawn toward this program um, have had in common is that they want to live in community. You know, there's a kind of varying degrees of, consciousness like an impulse to live in a different sort of way live in community live in connection to place and having had an experience like maybe even like having faced their shadows or the uncomfortable things that can come up while being with people for 10 weeks can also like give people an idea about what to expect in community like I remember like myself having a sort of romanticization of living in community like oh it's all gonna it's gonna be super fun and easy and simple and we're gonna you know just be be friends on this 50 acres and all will be well but you know really the the healing is often in the uncomfortable thing so that's something that mm -hmm. i that i learned from the program that was really valuable that i am um, you know it, it would have been hard for me to really understand having not experienced that, just say, yeah, I, I think that, that oftentimes the program can serve as a, an anchor point that one can refer back to in their path moving forward. I think of some of those foundational experiences that we have that we carry with us throughout our lives, and it sounds like the program and the experience that's being created by being 
an immersion by being intense, but also by being time limited, puts you in a place where you have this ongoing revelation, almost a perpetual novelty in that moment that allows you to form these long lasting memories that you can then touch back on when you have questions about community or an experience where you were really deeply connected with Earth or perhaps even deeply disconnected from it through an experience that kind of shook you that then gives guidance to the space that you're in in a given moment after that time. Right, and and the way you're describing that reminds me of the key elements, the essential elements of what people are often looking for during their young adult years, which are basically rites of passage. So that intensive time and the uncomfortability, the discomfort, the not knowing, but also, you know, honing skills and proving competence and those kinds of things are, I think, really something that we're missing as a culture and and longing for. Well, and I've had guests on in the past where we've spoken about some of those ideas of the missing rites of passage when it comes to birth, death, marriage, aging. And the way that as we've moved more towards being able to use technology to connect with each other, especially through the push of things like social media, and we step away from the face-to-face, we get this feeling of connection and community, but we're lacking many of the experiences and rituals, even something as simple as sharing a meal around a common table with people, that are those human elements that come from these tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years of shared human experience that our culture developed from, while we're still moving along at a hunter-gatherer kind of body and mindset while our technology continues to grow in such a way that we can easily step out of that human scale and human space. Right, and there's, there's a warmth that's possible when it's a real, in-person, alive experience. You know, and and sensory, not to mention how we learn sensorially. I'm just actually looking through some of the homesteading skills that are woven into the program and realizing that, you know, if I had just watched a YouTube video on seed saving or fermenting or herbalism, mushroom foraging, you know, all the, the ways that I know these things through my smell, my sense of smell, you know, the way that you can hear the bubbles you know, speed up and slow down coming out of an airlock on the top of a ferment, you know, the way that the ferments in the pantry of kombucha and kimchi smell so different than the ferments of, you know, the alcoholic ferments like mead and then so different from the efficient microbes ferments we have going in the in the greenhouse with the composting system for for feeding the the gardens and, and you know, the the way that herbalism really takes into account the constitution of each person and how that's fundamentally there are some similarities, but fundamentally there are differences also. And, you know, the cold feeling of natural building materials in your hand on a hot day and the sound of um, of the husks, the hulls around the, the seed pods breaking as you're, as you're sort of massaging, gargling the, the seeds out for seed saving. You know, these the warmth and the and the realness of these experiences really just has to be lived. One example of this I I um like to use to illustrate this to a degree is um 
when I identify a plant, like when there's a plant that I am familiar with that I identify, I don't actually look for the the physical attributes of the plant. I just sort of recognize the whole thing in the same way I recognize mm-hmm. a face. It feels like an old friend. So it's not actually something I can learn from a book. It's not like I can read all the physical characteristics and go out there and suddenly be able to recognize it. Like, you know, maybe some people can learn that way, but even when they do, it requires some sort of relationship with that plant in order to recognize it. You know, it gives you that feeling of like, old friend, I can, I can recognize, you know, yeah. it pops out at you, you know, after having formed a relationship with it. I also, one thing I wanted to add from before was that after having experienced a temporary container of community with other people and with the land, going back into dominant reality, it feels much less like reality. Like when you go back into, into like maybe a like more urban setting where no one's talking about this, it can feel like you're in the matrix, you know, and feel like you want out, you know, it's like, well, I, I want this community living to be life. You know, I don't want it to just be like mm-hmm. this, this temporary 10 week thing before I have to get back to the real world. No, like the, the, what people call the real world doesn't even feel real. So I feel like the same longing that drives people into the program, longing for community and connection, it doesn't go away after the program ends. And in fact, I think it, it even, it even intensifies, you know, it makes people mm-hmm. want it even more now that they've seen what it's actually like, which I think looking at the big picture is a good sign that more people are are orienting their values around this more and more. Yeah, I think we're also waking up to the realization that our current institutions that structure our lives social, economic, historical, political, and the way that these institutions perpetuate themselves and the way that they are inherently exploitative really starts to become more obvious. It's like scales fall away from our eyes and we can no longer not see the ways that these systems perpetuate this planetary destruction that we're, that is to the point now that it can't be ignored. And so there's also a level of the rising earth immersion that is about social and economic activism. And it's about really examining the assumptions that the institutions that we participate in are based on. And then, you know, learning how we can disrupt those, how we can be part of dismantling those and how we can um, actually cultivate and grow new systems, new uh, culture that is truly life-serving. And by doing this in this hands-on way where you're learning conflict resolution, I imagine you're also including things like nonviolent communication or um, restorative circles? Absolutely. So conscious communication is one of the three elements of human connection which is one of the three pillars of the program. So earth connection, inner connection, and human connection are the three pillars of the program. And what are the other elements of that piece of the connection? So the other two elements of the human connection realm are social and economic activism, which we were just talking about, and collaborative leadership practices. 
And then there's a, a practice that grounds that realm of one-on-one mentorship relationship. So each participant has the option of choosing a community mentor who is usually older than them, um, someone that they feel some sort of connection with, that they choose how often they want to meet with and ask questions of, learn from. And that person really becomes both the cheerleader and the you know listening ear and the uh, witness, witness in support of the process that each student is going through. And then what are the pillars for the earth connection and interconnection elements? I would say the grounding pillar of the earth connection realm is nature immersion. So through practices like living simply in yurt dome hybrids in the forest, without electricity, without plumbing, really being surrounded by the forest, really going to bed with the with the sun and waking up with the sun and hearing the, the coyotes and the owls through the night and really being aware of, you know, the weather when the storms roll in. And also taking intentional time, intentional contemplative time to really notice, really awareness practices. That nature immersion piece is, is a really strong pillar to the realm of Earth Connection. And then the three sort of sub-realms within the Earth Connection realm are homesteading skills. So some of those we just we just were talking about, like seed saving, fermenting, herbalism, beekeeping, natural building, mushroom foraging, farm-to-table culinary arts. The particulars of those are really driven by the interests of the group. Um, secondly is tending the land. So the farm here is a small educational farm, and the care of this place is really handed over to the students while they are here and there are support staff to, to support them and, and guide them and teach them and answer questions along the way. But um, if the cohort decides, you know, we really want to try growing XYZ, then we find those seeds and plant that. And, you know, if somebody says we're really interested in biodynamic farming, then we bring in someone who's an expert in biodynamic farming to, to start teaching about that. So that tending the land is the second piece. And then the third piece within the Earth Connection is spiritual ecology. This is where I find a lot of juice. There's a collection of essays by a man named Llewellyn Von Lee, and he's gathered together some really beautiful voices from wisdom traditions all over the world who speak about our spiritual connection with the consciousness that pervades all forms of life and the animacy and interconnectedness of the world that we're a part of and how our how this opportunity that we have to wake up and be be conscious about how we make our decisions and, and live our lives can actually be activism for the healing of our world. And then in the in the realm of interconnection, there is somatic self-care, which is, you know, weekly yoga offerings. We often have dance parties, which I've learned can be really great, really great community therapy. Also morning Emotional practice. literacy. Morning practice, for sure. So those of us on staff have various ways that we kind of root ourselves in the larger picture in the mornings before we really get started on our day. And um, we encourage the Rising Earth Immersion students to develop their own. And so, so after waking up in the Yom village, but before really getting started on farm chores or breakfast, there's a time for morning practice, which is each person's choice of spiritual practice. And it can be just taking a walk. It can be doing journaling. It can be Tai Chi or Qigong or meditation. There's many, you know, and limitless options. But that is definitely a part of, of this interconnection 
realm. Emotional literacy, I, I have found really powerful. It um, is often not given the value that I think it deserves, but being learning to recognize our kind of emotional realities, the, the weather internally, and honor those and share those with one another is really essential for living well in community. And then the third piece of the interconnection realm is life path navigation. So the staff team at the Eco Institute has come up with a really beautiful framework for helping folks to ask the questions, you know, what are the gifts that I bring? What am I passionate about? And how do I want to spend my life? Where do I want to go from here? And some folks are able to really map the whole thing out. And some folks are really only able to come up with the next step. But there's a lot of support for that. And and that's an important piece of this program, especially since it is created for young adults. And I will say I've been getting the question a lot in the past few days about can only people ages 18 to 28 apply for the program? And the answer is that the program was meant for, was developed for those ages. Those are what developmental psychologists are calling the odyssey years, kind of between adolescence and adulthood. You don't just become an adult when you turn 18, but there's this time, there's this period of of wandering and, and struggle and becoming and finding, you know, what, where is, what is my path? Where is my place? What, what do I have to offer to the world? And people can go through that developmental phase at other ages too. So it's not a limitation. And we actually have already a couple of applications coming in from folks who are older than 28. But this life path navigation can be really helpful for anyone in that time in their life. And this year, we're actually super excited to have a woman named Della Duncan, who is the author, host of Upstream Podcast coming from the West Coast to help lead the life path navigation piece. And she's also leading a workshop for the larger community called Right Livelihood in the New Economy. So we're excited about that. And then how often do you run this program? Is it just once a year? Do you offer like a spring and a fall or kind of ongoing? Right now it's just happening once a year in the fall. So when will the next program launch? Well, we're actually accepting applications right now for fall 2019. I think that the priority application due date is at the end of this month. And then folks have a few more weeks or sometime in June is when the, the actual official hard deadline is. And if folks are interested in scholarship support for covering the tuition and the room and board, which is less than a semester of college, but is still um, a significant investment, there is a generous scholarship fund thanks to our support community. And the scholarship applications, I believe, are due June 15th. So hopefully this will get out there and folks who are interested in applying for this fall will have some time still to get their application in. And then the actual fall program begins at the beginning of September and ends right before Thanksgiving. And it's a beautiful time to live in the forest in North Carolina. It's probably the most beautiful time. That fall transition of the leaves, that for those final harvests as we go from the warm to the cool weather, uh, my favorite time of year. Well, I really am thankful for the time that we were able to spend together today and to learn more about the deeply social connection that comes through a class like this. It's one of the things that I've really been interested in for so long is the way that we can create community, especially through educational experiences like this, and to hear what you're doing and the way that it helps to break some of those barriers by being so long and involved for everyone who decides to participate. But before we bring this to a close with everything you've shared with us today, is there anything else that you'd like to add to the conversation for the listeners? For folks who hear this 
and, you know, feel that, that gut stirring or that heart stirring and, and that sort of body response that, gosh, this would be amazing. You know, if only I could, I could figure out how to do a program like this in my life. But then who's, you know, whose who's other voice says, oh, but you can't, you know, leave your job or you can't, it's not logical or practical or it's too far away or any of the reasons why, you know, our minds might talk us out of these things. I just want to say, really look beyond those attempts to talk yourself out of it and really pay attention to that gut leading and that heart leading because, because it's too easy in current mainstream culture or what I recently heard called overculture to just forfeit our passions and our aliveness really for, you know, and, and sell our souls or spend, spend ourselves in service of the current system. And, and really you probably don't like that job that much anyway, right? Like you're not, you're not thrilled if, if, if you're considering even stepping away from it. And it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm going to take this leap. I'm going to send in an application to this program that I've only really heard for just heard about and in North Carolina, but it feels right, you know? And I would say that that feeling is the thing to pay attention to in this situation and in all situations where even if it is not logical or practical or, you know, it's not going to be easy to explain to your family why you're choosing to do this. When you know, you know, and if you really want to live a life worth living, you've got to pay attention to that knowing and you've got to say yes when the opportunity arises. And um, also, I've known a lot of people who go into this program not really knowing where they're going to go after it ends, but forming lots of relationships during the course of the program that by the end of it, they do know what they're going to do next. So like, I'm not guaranteeing that that will happen, but there's definitely, there's definitely a purpose for like, if you do feel that gut feeling to that, this is what you want. Like there's, there's wisdom in that. And, you know, in recognizing the intelligence of life, like you'll be taken care of if you follow what your heart is really drawn toward. As one of our beloved elders in this community, Carolyn, says, trust the process. Just trust the process. In the end, you'll look back and it'll make sense. I also know a Carolyn who recommended the same thing. So it sounds like it's good advice for, for all of us to just trust the process, or as I've also heard, to trust the mystery and just to embrace these things that we care about and find a way as we go. Well, Megan, Jimmy, thank you so much for joining me and sharing what you have about both the Eco Institute and the Rising Earth Immersion Program. It really does sound like it will fit for so many people who are at that point in their lives where they're questing for that next step and wanting to find some answers in what they want to do and where they want to go on this beautiful, wonderful life of theirs. So thank you for taking this time with me today. It's a pleasure. Thank yeah. you, Scott. It's lovely to meet you. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having us on. And that was Meg Tubin and Jimmy Eisenstein. Find out more about both of them, the Eco Institute at Pickards Mountain, and the Rising Earth Immersion at eco-institute.org. I like what Megan, Jimmy, and the rest of the staff at the Eco Institute and the Rising Earth Immersion Program are doing to create a space 
to live the principles of permaculture through a variety of activities that focus around core pillars that touch on the ethics of ecological design. From caring for earth by tending the land and saving seeds, to caring for people by learning the breadth of what is necessary to live in community and operate a homestead, to sharing the surplus of various forms of personal and institutional capital, learning to undertake radical self-care through morning practices that keep us grounded in our body, mind, and spirit. Through all these practices, students learn together, heal themselves, and live their ideals into the world. Do you know about any other immersive or transformational experiences like that offered at the Eco Institute at Pickards Mountain? Have you gone through a program you would recommend? Let me know. Leave a comment in the show notes or drop something in the post. The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. Also, if you enjoyed this conversation, consider becoming an ongoing supporter at patreon.com slash permaculturepodcast or make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash permaculturepodcast, or you can Venmo at permaculturepodcast. Until the next time, seek out the educational experiences that nourish your mind, strengthen your body, and feed your soul, while taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.